Welcome to ACNL in Action, brought to you by the Association of California Nurse Leaders. I'm your host, Charlene Platon, and we're so excited to jump into the new year with season two of the podcast. And it's an understatement to say that the last two years have been stressful for everyone, especially healthcare workers. But sometimes laughter really can be the best medicine. And as we start the new year, it's important for leaders to find ways to build resiliency. Our guest today is Karen Buxman, author of Lead with Levity, Strategic Humor for Leaders. Karen is also a National Speakers Association Hall of Fame member, having spent over 30 years working with leaders to help them use humor in their daily work lives to improve resiliency with their staff and enhance communication with their patients and clients. Welcome to the podcast, Karen. It's so great to have you. Thank you, Charlene. I'm pumped. I've been excited to talk with you. (laughs) I'm so excited. Seeing you just (laughs) makes me so happy. I just want to say that. (laughs) We're already laughing, so that's a great sign. (laughs) I know. I loved, I just got to say, I loved your talk. So, and I'm really, really ready to dive into it. And And so, you know, you started your career as a nurse and went on to obtain your Master of Science in Nursing degree, and you had research focused on the relationship between humor, health, and communication. And so could you tell us a bit about what you discovered in your research? I'd love to learn more. Yes. So, you know, prior to that, I was a nurse in Missouri and I worked in pediatrics. I taught OB, I taught geriatrics, I taught mental health. Um, I worked in surgery, ICU, ER. Uh, I did some psychiatric nursing, some air ambulance. And I know what some of you guys are thinking. She couldn't hold a job. (laughs) However, (laughs) what I come to appreciate now is that I have a growth mindset, which is what I think leaders must have. And that's that curiosity, that desire to learn more. And uh, when I was in grad school, uh, you you have to have research, you have to have an area that you're looking at and studying and a thesis. And originally, my instructors had talked to me about studying the locus of control of eating disorders of adolescent children. Okay. However, I stumbled upon this little article, and I I don't believe in coincidence. I really think that this was, you know, kind of a God wink thing, but this, uh, it was a a short paragraph written about nurse researcher Vera Robinson, and she had done her dissertation on the use of humor by Native American Indians, and I was fascinated by the, the thought that a nurse researcher would study humor. And after much convincing, my advisors let me move forward. And there was really very little in the field of psychoneuroimmunology. However, much of the work that was there had been done by nurses. And so we held a very important role in the early stages. Um, the the bulk of the work at that time, and still probably even now, is looking at the physiological effects and the psychological benefits of humor. And those have been, you know, that research base has been growing and growing and growing now for several decades. Uh, what I'm really fascinated with right now also is, though, the piece that surround is around influence. How can we as nurse leaders use humor to help persuade, to help educate, to help inspire, to help engage other people? And you connect this with brain science. And I've really done a deep dive over the last 10 years between humor and the brain, thus neurohumorist. I know what you're thinking, another neurohumorist. However, not a lot of competition in the field. And when you look at the effects of humor on the brain and vice versa, the brain on humor, I mean, star spangled banner, I'm telling you, you know, just all sorts of things go off in terms of just the lights and the, the sounds and the excitement, because it is so powerful. And this is one of the reasons why I decided 30 years ago to make this my life's work because I don't think very many people understand just how powerful this is. 
because we tend to mistake humor for entertainment and it goes way beyond that. That's great, Karen. Thank you for sharing about your journey. And I personally am so fascinated to hear about nurses and their involvement in this world and body of research, because I had no idea going to nursing school that that was even something that could be researched. And I'm sure in your nursing school too, no one really talks about this, which is, I think it's a great thing, a very powerful thing, just like you said, to talk about, especially in in our field and the healthcare industry, which at times could feel so heavy, right? Yes. And and so, you know, for nursing, I, I think that that's a great uh, body of work to look into. And, and even before you delved into that research, it sounds like you spent a lot of time in different clinical areas. You've done a lot of different things within nursing. And yes. so, so it sounds like you were also at the bedside for a good amount of time. Is that right? In, yes, in uh, I was hands-on nursing for uh, about 12 years. And then when I was in grad school, I was actually teaching at a, a college in Missouri. And um, I started getting so many requests to share my findings. People were so curious and the request just snowballed. And at one point I, I looked at this and it was like, do I want to continue teaching or do I want to be self-employed, be my, you know, have my own company, et cetera. And no business background. I mean, really, it's just, <laughs> that was, that was interesting. And maybe that was a good thing because had I known then what I know now, I, I probably would have been very intimidated, but to, to be able to, and to this, this um, body of knowledge has taken me around the planet. You know, I, I have presented from Burbank to Bangkok. I have presented to groups smaller than 10. I've presented to groups greater than 10,000. Um, I spoke to 5,000 Asians in Bangkok who didn't have English wow. as a first language. However, laughter is universal. It has no That's accent. True. And mm -hmm. humor is universal. We may not laugh at the same things and right. a lot of the cultural differences, but it is we are hardwired to laugh. We are hardwired to smile. Babies who are deaf and blind still laugh and smile. And I think that we, as, as we are going through school and, and particularly it, there is a lot of confusion with the difference between seriousness and solemnness. So much of the nursing profession I think has hesitated, particularly leaders to use humor because they're concerned they won't be taken seriously. Mm. And there's a big difference between conveying a serious message and being solemn. You can still convey a serious message with whimsy, with humor. And if anything, it will help you convey your message. Uh, you know, Charlene, right now we are in a time while you and I are having this conversation where I don't know when the state of nursing has ever been at a more critical point in terms of nurses' mental health. Brains are on fire. Uh, you know, their amygdalas are hijacked. When you're under this degree of stress, I don't know if you knew this, your IQ drops by 10 to 12 points. I don't know about you. I don't have those points to spare. How do we- I don't either. <laughs> right? I think I could feel every IQ drop, every point. Just, it's a clink. It's like, oh, there went there, another there one. There went. <laughs> it's like spilling all over the floor. And it's like, how do we get these back? And you know, humor isn't the only way, but it is a way that is easily accessible. And I have developed uh, seven competencies that when we recognize those competencies, the fear of offending someone, the fear of being inappropriate, the fear of not being authentic, these kinds of things, we can embrace them and uh, overcome them. And now we have access to something that is so powerful. My, my friend and colleague, Dr. Lee Burke, who is one of the leading researchers in psychoneuroimmunology up at Loma Linda, said if we took what we now know about laughter and bottled it, it would require FDA approval. This is something that is so powerful and mm. yet it is so untapped because I think people are a little nervous as to how to use it. I, I definitely I agree. Just, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. would love for leaders to see how to use it and then to teach 
and share with those whom they're leading the appropriate way because now you have a win-win and you know they're able to use it for themselves and they're also able to use it for their patients and patients family and and now we're really reaping the benefits absolutely and i distinctly remember when i was in grad school for my fnp degree or from my family nurse practitioner education, mm -hmm. I had a professor who was extremely funny, really witty. She always said these great one-liners. And yes. every time she said a joke during class, no one would laugh. But I would just, I would be <laughs> just by myself laughing or no one, it would be silent. And I was thinking to myself, I'm pretty sure she just said a joke, but nobody laughed. And I feel like at times people just are afraid to laugh, you know, in yeah. our, in the healthcare industry and in the nursing medicine field. So it's just so interesting to see how much the culture could really impact, even if we feel like we have permission to laugh, but you know, there's so much opportunity because of how powerful, just as you said, we need FDA yeah. approval for all these benefits that, that laughter has that we're not, we're right. not tapping into. We are not tapping into them, not even scratching the surface. And it's I crazy. hope to see in my lifetime to see more nurse leaders embrace it. I am seeing it more and more, but we still have so much room for improvement. There's so much room. And I want to learn more too. How did you, you know, what prompted you to actually shift into public speaking and, and coaching um, organiza organizations about this work, because I feel like this work that you're doing is so unique and it's not something that a lot of nurses may even think about pursuing being an entrepreneur, being a, right. a public speaker, being a coach. How did you get into that? You know, I fell into it backwards. As I mentioned, people started asking me to share findings. And I, I tell you, Charlene, the very first time I got ready to present and I'm just already with my papers and I'm ready to present the p-value of less than 0.05 and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden I realized oh, these people think I'm funny. Who knew? And a lot of it was just conveying the things that actually happen, the things that we are dealing with on a daily basis. And a lot of humor, particularly for adults, comes from pain and discomfort. You know, when, when we're children, it comes from joy. But by the time we get older, um, a lot of it comes just from that relief and people were wanting that relief. And, and so, you know, I struck out as a speaker, learned the hard way, but I'm so excited now to see more and more nurses consider being an entrepreneur, starting their own companies and being leaders to the community and stepping into positions that really, you know, 30 years ago, it was, it was, you know, people kind of looked at me like, Ooh, what? Yeah, this is weird. And here was the question I got asked all the time. Why did you leave nursing? Mm. And I would have to defend myself. I still have a nursing license. I'm, I'm still nursing, but it's not a traditional role. But you know, the, the, the things people say, do you make this stuff up? Anybody who's in healthcare knows you don't ever have to make anything up. <laughs> Quick example, um, nurses send me funny stories all the time. So please, they are free. the best storytellers, by the way. The oh best my gosh. Oh my gosh. But this nurse uh, was from a very large hospital um, in St. Louis, and they had a five year old boy who was awaiting a kidney transplant. The organ becomes available. The family is celebrating. The staff is celebrating. The nurse is doing the pre op checklist, and the little boy starts, he just bursts into tears and won't tell his parents why. And finally the nurse asked them to leave the room. And when she's alone with the little boy, she said, can you tell me why you're crying? And he says, I need to know if this kidney is coming from a boy or a girl. And she said, oh honey, what difference would that make? And he started crying again. He goes, because I don't wanna have to sit down to pee. <laughs> you can't make this up. You can't make this up. But people were, oh, well, what if I'm not funny? And what if nobody laughs? And what if I'm not a joke teller? It's great. You don't ever have to be a joke teller. You don't even have to be the humor initiator. As a leader, you can be the humor appreciator. And to help lift that and, and, and encourage that in those whom you are leading. Because this will create more likability for you. It will create a brain toward state for them where they're actually able to hear more of what you're trying to communicate to them and convey to them. They're going to be more engaged. They're going to be more productive. Right now, the stories that I hear from nurses, 
it's tragic. It's beyond tragic. And I think the effects of this are going to be long lasting way after the this news of COVID is over. And for nurse leaders to be able to take this tool and use it for themselves and for those they lead, because so many times the leaders don't take their own medicine. <laughs> right. But I know a lot of times right now, uh, I was recently doing a, a presentation for um, an ONE chapter, ONL chapter, and their attendance was much lower than expected because so many of the leaders were now having to cover the positions of nurses on the floor because they were so short staffed. So leaders need this medicine as much or more as their staff does. And so to embrace this and to become a student of humor, um, right. you'll really, you'll reap the benefits. Exactly. And to your point, there, there are a lot of things happening right now that are really tragic in the world of nursing in the world of healthcare. And people may not find nursing to be a very funny field in particular, because there's so many challenges that happen. There are a lot of moments that are really heavy. And so knowing that we're dealing with people's health and knowing the stressors that come with this role of nursing, how, and, and just knowing the, that these challenges can be pretty, because they can be pretty heavy. What, you know, what do you think is so funny about nursing? Just reflecting <laughs> on, on your book, because sometimes yeah. it's, it's an interesting, and I, and I love the, the title of your book. What's so funny about nursing? Uh, it's, it's, a, it's such an interesting dynamic because nurses are some of the funniest people I know, actually, when yes. I talk with them and I hear their stories, but then on the outside looking in, it could seem pretty somber. It could seem very serious. And so, so what is so funny about nursing and can you tell us more about how we can interject humor, even when, during these moments, when it's so challenging, you know, humor happens in the moment. And I think that that's why some, if not a lot of the humor is missed because we're so focused on what's coming next, what's coming next, what's coming next. And for some, it's even um, just kind of ruminating over what's already happened instead of what is now going on in the moment. But, but to be the observer, to hear things that people are saying and that people are doing. And um, a lot of the humor comes from pain, as I mentioned, and a lot of the nurses, they love and embrace dark humor. And I wanna say a word about sick humor um, because whenever I say to an audience, you know, you guys are sick, they clap. You know, <laughs> they love laughing about body fluids, death and dismemberment. And, oh you know, there's a reason for that because the, the closer you are to tragedy and death, the darker your humor becomes. And right now, the tragedy and death that they're being exposed to is tremendous. And the, and the humor comes out of that. Should they use it? I say, yes, there are parameters. You don't use it in front of patients. You don't use it in front of people who don't understand. This is one of the competencies that it has to be kept within the context of, of the people who really understand and who really get it. But when you embrace that and you start looking around at, at what is going on and what's being said and the funny thing, you know, like the, the student or like the little boy who didn't want to sit down to pee. These are the kinds of things um, that we see a lot. A another story, again, it's just observational. Um, they were holding uh, a fire drill on the unit. And so the nurse was going and shutting all the doors and she passed this one room where an elderly woman was on her phone and she whispered to the patient. She said, um, we're just having a little fire drill. And as she shut the door, she heard the, the patient say to whoever was on the phone, oh, no, don't worry. Everything's fine. The building is on fire and they've just locked me in my room. How do you That's not so laugh funny. at that? How do you not laugh at that? But you, you have to be able to find the humor in the situation. And so to have an accountability partner and to have somebody to help bounce it off. But so many times, a lot of the work that just needs to be done is to reintroduce yourself, rewire your brain, because right now your brain is wired to find threat. 
and what we want to do. And that's, that's the brain's purpose. That's a good thing. It's trying to protect us, but it's done that to such a degree that it's not seeing anything else. And so to force yourself on a daily basis to ask, what am I missing? What's funny? Seeking humor from other people. What's the funniest thing you've heard from a patient this week? What's the craziest thing you've heard from a family member? What's the funniest thing you've heard from a doctor? And to embrace that and continue to listen for it until you get it. And then you're going to have a synapse. And then you're going to be easier the next time. And then you're going to have another synapse. And then Hebb's Law, neurons that fire together, wire together. Eventually, you're going to be very good at capturing this abundance of humor around you. It's not that it's not there. You're just not aligned with it right now. And that's okay because you, your brain has been protecting you, but you can rewire your brain so that you can access that again, be more um, competent, be safer, be smarter, and be happier to be able to reconnect with what brought you to this profession in the first place. I had an interesting conversation a couple of weeks ago with a nurse. Um, their, their theme actually was to reconnect with the joy of nursing. And she said, I, I can't even imagine being joyful. And so what I explained to her was this emotional scale with one end being despair and the other end being joy and happiness. And currently that's too big of a leap to make in one jump for many people but you can start moving up that scale and moving yourself to the point where maybe you move from, from fear to frustration and frustration to hope. And when you're at the place of hope, now you can move to happy and to joy. And using humor is one of the methods that can help move you up that scale. That's great. I love, I love that structure actually, because it, it is a really big leap when you do think of the both ends of that spectrum. And, and I do think it's really important to think of it as a process using humor to get you from one end to the other. And going back to what you said about burnout being such a huge topic right now, being at the top of everyone's minds in nursing and in healthcare, what advice do you have for nurse leaders who are struggling to help themselves, help their teams during this time? You've alluded to the competencies, um, to, to using humor, do you have any recommendations or specific tools that would be really beneficial for leaders to use to help with the burnout at this time? A couple of things. Yeah, that, this, is, this is great. Thank you for, for bringing that up because, you know, I think that it's very important for, our, for us to give ourselves frequent brain breaks. You know, it's, it's better for you to intentionally and consistently use a little bit of humor over time than to just say, okay, I'm going to binge all day Saturday on sitcoms and I'll be good for the rest of the month. Yeah, that's not <laughs> such a good idea. Um, and so one of the things that I did for myself, and then I thought, oh, I'm just going to start sharing this with other people. I created a landing page. It's called Stress Recovery Toolkit, stressrecoverytoolkit.com. And I just started putting up little short videos that are like a minute, minute and a half of things that I have found on YouTube that crack me up. Doesn't matter if I've seen them once or a dozen times, it still makes me laugh every time I watch it. And I've, I've put some other things up there. You had mentioned, I think you, when you said you enjoyed my talk, you were referring to the Ted talk. I uh, would mm. love for people to, to have a chance to look at that. Um, a, a stress report card so you can kind of gauge where you are in the process. So, um, so that is, is one piece. Um, and to, to just make that commitment to intentionally and consistently, just maybe for, maybe start out less than five minutes. Right now I'm working on a 52 week series for hospitals where the messages are just a minute and a half. I call them jam sessions, just a minute. <laughs> and the brain science that went behind it was, you know, I want it to be wrapped in whimsy so that people open it. I want them to be short so people will actually watch it and then get the serious message of self-care that are wrapped in them. But it's designed because it's short and consistent over time. So for leaders to help rewire their brain and to feel better, I would give them the same advice, you know, consistency over time. And to ask yourself, what's funny about this situation? And if nothing, that's fine. Just be kind to yourself. 
but manipulate your environment so that maybe you can create more opportunities for humor. And that's why I created that landing page. So these are the kinds of practices that consistently over time, um, you'll really notice improvement. That's great. And I definitely will check out the website too with the videos. Uh, it's been interesting to see there's been more nurses implementing humor. And I, I think I especially see that on our social media platforms. So Nurse Blake, for example, he's been really great at using humor to help nurses, support nurses. And now he's doing stand-up comedy tours around the oh country, which is yeah. really awesome. It just really goes to show how much nurses connect with the humor side. And and so I th- I've been steadily just noticing more and more nurses implementing humor, but I would love to see that in leadership as well, because I yeah. think leaders could absolutely utilize it to help their team and make their team feel more comfortable, more vulnerable. And another thing that you that you do mention is leading in the workplace with levity. And can you yes. talk a little bit about what that means and and some ideas for how nurse leaders or how healthcare leaders can lead with levity? Yes. Yeah, I think that it's important for nurse leaders to understand that humor actually has three purposes. Uh, One purpose is entertainment, and that's what everybody tends to think of and understand. The second purpose is well-being, which is improved health, resilience, coping, even spiritual practices. And the third is influence. And we mentioned that earlier, informing and engaging and inspiring and persuading. And so levity is is a mindset. It's not about trying to be funny because when you when your purpose is entertainment, you measure your success in number of laughs. The the the, the nurse is doing stand up, you know, when he's actually there, he's his purpose at that point is entertainment and he's got to make people laugh. When I'm on a stage and they want it to be entertaining, I want to make sure I've got X number of laughs built in every so 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 many minutes. But as leaders, you don't have to do that. It's a mindset of how can I view things, you know, how can I find the amusement that's around me, the whimsy that's around me, and recognize that even though our work is serious, we can still take ourselves lightly. And with that mindset, that levity mindset of lightness, now you're ready to go. And in terms of influence, um, there is a difference between men and women's use of humor. And, and I, that's a much longer conversation. We can come back and, and talk about mm-hmm. that at a later time because that is a bit of a stereotype, but in general terms, male humor tends to be more aggressive. Female humor tends to be more inclusive. Men tend to prefer jokes. Women tend to prefer stories. Not that there is an overlap, but understand that as nurse leaders, you don't have to be a joke teller. Again, you don't have to be the initiator. Um, just by asking some of your staff to share, you know, what's, you know, what is something funny they've heard, or is there an embarrassing moment you've had that you can laugh about now? And to also share a bit of self-effacing humor. You don't want to go overboard, but to share humor that shows just a, a bit of vulnerability. Um, I have a, a video online on YouTube about student nurse catheterization. I mean, there is, and it's a scream, but it's showing vulnerability, telling my students about the time that I had to wear two left shoes all day at work. Again, showing vulnerability. They're thinking, well, if she did that, you know, then she's not gonna be so upset when I tell her this. And and using that kind of humor. And and here's a little caveat. When you're using self-effacing humor, make fun of your actions, and not of who you are, because for those you're leading, they want you, you want them to know that you have made a mistake, not that you are a mistake. And, and in that light that you can, again, the vulnerability piece helps build trust and people who trust their leaders and their organizations, they're going to be more engaged. They're going to be the ones who um, are, are retained, not the ones who are just walking through a revolving door. And so these are great skill sets for leaders to learn. That's great. And I do want to say, I saw the talk about 
your story with uh, with inserting a female urinary catheter for the first <laughs> time. And as a nursing student, and I cracked up so much. I really resonated with that video. I thought it was so funny. And I, it's an experience that I think all nurses can relate to. It was, We've all had, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that's it was great. Of what bonds us because when a, when a nurse leader tells a story and someone laughs, what has happened in that moment is that there is a connection that somewhere in that person's experience, they're thinking, I can relate. And mm -hmm. now you have that connection. And that's, that's what we want when we're leading people. We want that connection. And so I'm glad you enjoyed it. You know, I can <laughs> laugh about it now. No, it's great. It took me back to my first, April. you're right. You don't forget your first time. <laughs> mm -mm, mm -mm. And, and I, like I it love was yesterday. That. just like it was yesterday. I could see it clearly. And, <laughs> and or not, um, or not, or it's just completely erased from my brain, but no, it's but, just that, that little thing, place is hard to find. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I do appreciate what you said too, about the connection piece, because I do think when it comes to leadership, there could feel like there's this divide sometimes, right. Between when you are in a leadership position and when you're working in a clinical position, sometimes it really is hard to bridge the gap. I mean, just coming from my own perspective, being a clinician and then moving into, into management. And I think humor yeah. is a really great way to, to have that connection and to have that shared experience of, Hey, we're all on the same page here, or we've, we've had the same experiences before. So I really, I really love that perspective. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. And, and I did want to ask as well for, you know, in terms of you've, you've touched upon this before too, and different ways for how we could exercise our humor. And even, even if we might not think of ourselves as jokesters or comedians, mm -hmm. how do we really be comfortable with that side? How can, it sounds like we, there's a, a matter of trial and error and learning how to be funny and how to deliver stories or, or how to tell certain jokes or relate to certain people. Um, so in addition to what you said about maybe asking your teams to share a funny story or incidents to connect, is there any other suggestions you have for how someone can learn to be funny? You know, I, I think that a lot of times people put the cart before the horse and they really try to be funny before maybe they're even comfortable with humor. And I coach a lot of executives and a lot of them say, oh, I want to be funny spontaneously. And then when I start working with them, I realize, oh my gosh, you're already funny. You just don't even know it. Um, and, and they maybe don't recognize when it's appropriate or where they could put it in. And so the process that I use with people is to first even just get them immersed in humor. You know, how many people can you surround yourself with that, you know, are already funny people who are humorous. I mean, it, truly, it does kind of rub off a little bit, you know, to, 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 and again, becoming a student of humor, to um, create a list for yourself of things that you find amusing, to um, study various people. I'm a big fan of Mike Birbiglia, and he has a Netflix special called Thank God for Jokes. And when I am working with people, I use a lot of his structure and have them go and watch that and, and show them, you know, see how that is set up and the callbacks and such. But that, again, those kinds of techniques are a little bit further down the road. In the beginning, it's finding, finding what's funny around you. I call it seeing funny. It's more important to see funny than it is to be funny. And what I found with a lot of people that I coach or people that just start hanging out with me or my students, um, I also teach a, a humor and leadership class for the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor, which is a great organization, nonprofit. I don't right. get any money from them, so I can tell you about that. Um, but the more you're around humor, the funnier you can become, if that's your desire. Some people have no desire to be funny, but if you desire to be funny, then to be hanging around with people who are funny and to expose yourself to people who are funny, you're going to pick up a lot of techniques. But even more than that, again, is just what is it that makes you laugh? What is it that you find funny and seeking that from other people and then sharing that with other people? 
because sharing these funny stories does a couple of things. One, it helps the person that you're sharing it with. It's, it's giving them the benefits of humor, but it's reinforcing for you. Each time you tell it, you're getting it a little tighter. You're seeing where people are laughing at or what they're not laughing at. Or you might think, oh my gosh, I thought that was hysterical. Nobody else thinks it's funny. Okay, move on. What other funny stories do you start collecting? I have documents of just, as I recall, funny incidents that have happened in my career uh, or in my life or family or whatever. And I just put them in my Evernote list. And then I come back and, and develop those stories when I need for a presentation, for a board meeting, for a, a conference meeting, for a team meeting. All of these things um, are where you can put these into play. That's great. I definitely, right after this, I definitely need to write my stories out and remember <laughs> and recall because there's a lot of great moments that should be so recorded many. and shared with people. <laughs> Even, you know, if it's just in the moment, just capturing enough words that you'll remember it when you come back to it, because we don't always and, and you will find you're so young, you don't know. But right now it's like, if I write down just one word and it's like, oh, you know, like dialysis, I'll come back two days later and go, what was it about dialysis? I got to have maybe two <laughs> words, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, or that, you know, you're right during the night and then the next morning, what was that? But, you know, write, write yourself a few words or a phrase and then come back and develop that. And I guarantee, oh my gosh, if you share this with somebody else, they're going to remember, they're, here's what's going to happen. That reminds me of the time and they're going to tell a story. And then you're going to go, oh my gosh, that reminds me of the time. And I mean, I even in this conversation that we've had, I bet you've remembered two or three funny stories that have happened to you. The people who are listening to this now, after we've recorded this, are thinking of their own funny stories. Write them down because I promise you a week from now, you're not going to remember what it was that you wanted right. to, to write down. Absolutely. And we're actually getting close now to the end of our conversation. It's been so lovely to talk with you and learn so much more about your work, how humor is so impactful and so powerful. And I wanted to ask with during this time, with it being so challenging, with a lot going on and with with um, all of this happening uh, in the world right now. Uh, I, I'd like to just have our last topic be on resiliency and mm. what, what do you personally like to do to unwind and strengthen your own resiliency during this time, just to, to share with, with people who may be listening to this episode? That's a great question. Thank you for answering, asking that because, you know, when I think about resiliency, it's, it's a lot like a checking account. And for those of you who are like, <laughs> under 40, you don't even know what a check is. It's a piece of paper that we used to write down, uh, you know, on transactions and things like that. But, you know, if you credit cards, whatever, you know, it's like you have a certain amount that you're allotted and then you like go on this spending spree and you keep pulling and pulling and pulling from it until there's nothing left. And then you're thinking, oh, but I really want this item. And you try to buy it anyway and you get slapped and then you try again. And now they just jerk your whole card or close your account. And that's what's going to happen with us because people are trying and trying and trying to pull from reserves that are already gone. And it's going to take some time to build them back up, but there's no time like the present. Um, I have rituals and a part of those rituals are humor. As I mentioned, you know, I a lot, at least 15 minutes every day. Um, I have people who are accountability partners. And in the morning, there's one in particular, she's a best-selling author and she speaks on stress and she's very open about the fact that she has depression and suicidal thoughts. And so my commitment to her five years ago was every day I'll send you something funny. And at first I did this out of the goodness of my heart because aren't I such a sweet person? And I was sending her you know, every morning, I would look for a funny meme or something and send it to her. But what I realized over a short period of time was I was benefiting as much or more because it was reframing my day to start by looking for something humorous. And then I get that extra dopamine hit because I'm doing an act of kindness and paying it forward. Other rituals that I have, um, you know, in the morning, I start my day with inspiration and prayer and then humor and then movement. And then at the end of the day, I got the best end of the day routine. You are going to be so jealous because <laughs> it's, you know, I pour a hot bath. It's got bath salts mm -hmm. in it. I turn on 
some great music. I have a candle, a glass of wine. And then, you know, when I go to bed, um, my husband, who is Mr. Romance, that's a whole nother story too. He literally wrote the book on romance, A Thousand and One Ways to Be Romantic, Greg Godak. Wow. And he reads to me every night. And so I, it's like being a kid, I can't keep my eyes open. And at first he was offended because I fell asleep when he was reading to me, but now he <laughs> loves and delights in the fact. So these rituals just help replenish and having the connections, having the networks that I have. These are the things that intentionality and consistency are the key. But when you start putting these things into your daily process, I guarantee you they really really, 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 really do work. I love that routine. And I, I really am so jealous of that night routine. I feel like I would just go right to sleep with that. That sounds amazing. And thank you so much for sharing, Karen. It's been so wonderful to talk with you today. We'll definitely need to have you come back because there's so much more to talk about. (laughs) There is, there is my favorite phrase back by popular demand. (laughs) Yes. And thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate all that you shared today. You bet. You bet. It has been my pleasure. And so our guest today was Karen Buxman, author of Lead with Levity, Strategic Humor for Leaders. You can learn more about Karen at karenbuxman.com or find her on, on LinkedIn. And we'll include links in our show notes. This is our first episode of the new year, and we'd love to hear your feedback as well. So leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or email us directly at socialmedia at acnl.org. You can also connect with us on LinkedIn and Facebook at ACNL Nurse. And ACNL in Action is presented by the Association of California Nurse Leaders with new episodes on the first Friday of every month. To learn more, visit us at acnl.org. Thanks for listening.